Do you remember the scene from Star Wars where Luke Skywalker says, "These aren't the droids you're looking for." Do you remember that Jedi mind trick? And do you wish you had that kind of influence, where you could get someone to either do or stop doing something, or better yet, that you could use that trick on yourself to either break an old habit that no longer serves you, or actually make a new healthy habit stick? Well, in this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you. The six stages of change, how to recognize which one you're in, or someone else is in, and the kinds of questions you want to be asking to move yourself or someone else through those different stages. I'm also going to be sharing with you the one key thing you absolutely want to avoid because it will wind up creating more resistance to change. Rather than less. So, if you want to hone your Jedi mind trick skills, <laughs> this is an episode you're gonna want to listen to from beginning to end. So, let's get started. Welcome to the Happy and Healthy Podcast. I'm your host Amy Lang, and this podcast is dedicated to my fellow women in STEM. After working in high tech for 10 years, in 2004, I became the proud owner of Pacific Heights Health Club in San Francisco, where I worked with thousands of clients over the span of 15 years to help them reach their health and fitness goals. Now I'm sharing what I've learned about what works as well as what doesn't work when it comes to making healthy habits stick. So, if you want to find out what it takes to achieve lasting weight loss. To create deep health and feel empowered to live the life you want, you're in the right place. Episode number one hundred and sixty-five. Well, hi there, Amy here. Thank you so much for joining me today. So, <laughs> funny thing happened this morning. Actually, last night and this morning. So, for those of you who have been listening to this podcast, or if you've been following me on on social media on Instagram and Facebook, you know that Matt and I got a new puppy about a month ago. So, her name is Moxie. She's now like four and a half months old, and we have been going back and forth on crate training. So, one of the things that happened. About a week ago, is a week or two ago, was that she got her rabies vaccination, and as a result of that, she had some GI issues as a side effect. Anyways, we have not been putting her in her crate for like the last week, and last night <laughs> she got a hold of the TV remote and managed to turn on the TV. <laughs> she did it twice. Once last night around twelve thirty in the morning, and then again this morning at like seven a.m. So we have a very very smart puppy. She's a very good puppy, but she's a very smart puppy, and she's definitely teething. So Matt and I have been going back and forth on this whole crate training thing, 
She is definitely housebroken, so we put a little doggy door in. She knows how to use it, and she's really good about going out onto the patio in order to do her business. But because she's a puppy and she's still teething, she is finding all kinds of things to chew on, like the TV remote control. So I am still advocating to put her in the crate, whereas Matt doesn't want to. So I would love to know, if for those of you who are listening, who have experience, who have been dog owners, I would love to get some advice on this. So how does this tie into what I'm going to be talking about today? Well, as new pet parents, we are focused on figuring out what habits we want to encourage in our new puppy. If you are a parent, you probably have things with your kids that you would love to help them develop as well. Good study habits, things like that. You also probably encounter situations where you want to help your child see what they're doing wrong, right? You have to resist that urge sometimes to keep them from falling. In other words, you have to let them fall in order to be able to learn. That's something called the writing reflex. And even if you're not a parent, I have no doubt that every single person who's listening to this podcast, you have in your life experienced someone who you know and you care about, maybe even yourself who has been in a relationship that you think is bad for them. And yet, for whatever reason, the breakup that you think needs to happen hasn't occurred. So it could be for yourself or it could be for someone else. Again, the writing reflex is something that I want you to be mindful of. But I want you to be mindful of it in the context of the stages of change, all right? So what I'm going to be doing is talking today about something called the trans-theoretical approach. So when it comes to change, there's actually quite a few different models out there. And like all models, there there's always going to be some flaw, but some are more useful than others. So this trans-theoretical approach talks about six stages of change. And if you want to learn more about it, there's a book titled Changing for Good by James Prochaska, John Norcross, and Carlo Di Clementi. And so the subtitle of their book is A Revolutionary Six-Stage Program for Overcoming Bad Habits and Moving Your Life Positively Forward. So what I want to do today is talk about those six stages and what you can do, whether it's for your own life or for someone else's life, to help move forward in that positive direction, okay? So the six stages that I want you to be aware of are number one, pre-contemplation, number two, contemplation, Number three, preparation. Number four, 
action. Number five, maintenance. And number six, recycling. So going back now to each one of these, if someone is in the pre-contemplation stage and you talk to them about something that is appropriate for someone in, let's say, the preparation stage, you're going to lose them. So as an example, in my coaching practice, I run into folks who are chronically sleep deprived and kind of like they wear it like a badge of honor, right? Like, oh, I only got like five, five and a half hours of sleep last night. And I'm just, I'm just, you know, pushing through. If this person doesn't see the need to get, say, seven to nine hours of restful sleep, if they think, again, that it's a badge of honor to get five and a half hours of sleep, and then I start telling them, well, let's take a look at your sleep hygiene. Let's figure out maybe what your bedtime routine looks like. I would lose them. We would not be on the same page. It would be like a plane taking off and leaving passengers at the gate <laughs> in the waiting area. So for someone who is chronically sleep deprived, I might suggest, for example, the book Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Because in that book, he talks about how important sleep is to everything from weight loss to learning and creativity to avoiding dementia and specifically Alzheimer's. So literally the causal link that they found between sleep deprivation and Alzheimer's, right? So in the pre-contemplation stage, what we want to do is actually help someone get from, no, I don't want to change or need to change to, well, let me consider it. Okay. So in the contemplation stage, this is now where we're thinking about it. Let me think about it. Is this something I really want to do? So in the contemplation stage now, there's much more focus on the pros and cons of change. So a perfect example here would be in the dating world. I remember when I was in my 20s, I was dating a guy that my parents did not want me to be with. And they pushed really hard for me to get away from this person, right? To, they, they did not want this to happen. And the more they didn't want me to be with this person, the more I stayed in that relationship. So I believe they actually created more resistance by pushing. Okay. So if you are a parent or if you are a good friend and you see someone going down a path that you believe is quote the wrong way and you want to try to fix it and get them on the right path, this is known as the writing reflex. And the writing reflex 
will actually wind up causing more resistance. More often than not, it creates more resistance because we have something called like the confirmation bias. We want to be right. And so a more effective strategy, instead of creating that resistance and getting a person to have to defend their choices and then wind up arguing for their limitations. I mean, how many times have, have you done it where you know that what someone's saying has some merit, but you find yourself arguing for your limitations and defending your choices? What we want to do instead is what really, really good attorneys do, where they lead you down this path of questions where you wind up hearing yourself say what it is that you ultimately want to do. So if you're dealing with someone and you want them to make a change, you want to ask a set of questions or a series of questions that ultimately get them to speak what it is that you're hoping they actually do. Because when they hear themselves say it, it's got much, much more power. All right. So that's the contemplation stage. In the preparation stage now, we're talking about, as an example, fitness. So for someone who says, okay, I want to get in shape and therefore I need to start exercising. Oftentimes there's this research phase that goes on. What are my options? How do I want to approach this? For someone who wants to lose weight, it may be uh, going on Google and searching for best diets or the closest gym or something to that effect, right? So in the preparation stage, this is the recognition that I want to be able to do something that I'm currently not doing. So in the preparation stage, it's again about questions around things like, what do I like to do? What kind of things do I want to do? What kind of plan do I want to put in place? And the more specific we can get in that plan, where we even have, let's say, a plan B, the more likely we are to be able to then move into the action phase. So preparation phase, again, is like when, when I owned the health club, I'd have people coming in and shopping for a membership. No one just goes like window shopping for a gym membership. Have you noticed that? We can window shop for a lot, a lot of things, but people don't walk into a gym unless they're actually thinking about joining something. There's some, some problem that they're trying to solve that they think a gym can help with. Correct. So in that preparation stage, it's about how are you framing things? So what is the criteria that you're using to determine what it is you're going to do? Okay. So again, when it comes to fitness, I would say make sure that you are thinking about what you like doing. You want to think about your schedule and what you actually think is most important. So understanding what your goals are as well. 
and then look for something that meets those criteria and try different things out. Because the other thing is just because one place doesn't work doesn't mean everything in that category doesn't work. Okay. In the action phase, this is really where we want to make sure that we are getting as specific as possible. So I touched on it earlier in the preparation phase, but it's actually probably more appropriate in the action phase. And that is making sure that you have a very specific plan. You have a time frame. You have a plan B. So when things don't go exactly as planned, you can still do something where you're able to check off for yourself. Yes, that was a win today. So in the action phase, we're looking for what, for those of you who have been listening for a while, what I call binary action. I want it to be specific enough as opposed to vague. I want it to be specific enough that I can say, yes, I did this or no, I did not. That means my plan, let's say, for example, that you want to create this habit of going for a walk every morning, which is something I did because I like working out in the afternoon. But I also know that if I move my body for at least like 10 minutes in the morning, I'm so much more productive. And so my plan was get up in the morning, have my coffee, have my glass of water, And then before I do anything else, before I sit down to start working or have breakfast or anything, I put my shoes on and I go outside and I walk around my complex. It takes me 10 minutes. That's how specific it was. And I didn't actually even start off with all the way around. I started off with just like, oh, let me walk around my building. I made it as easy as I possibly could, okay? In the maintenance phase, that's when we actually have a habit, okay? That's when we've reached what I call unconscious competence. So in the pre-contemplation and contemplation phases, before we have that ability to do something, we're in unconscious incompetence. We don't know that we need to, and we don't know how to do it as a result. In the conscious incompetence stage, we are aware that we want to do something, but we don't know how to do it. In the action phase, we're in the conscious competence phase. We have to take very intentional action. It takes a lot of energy. So it's why change can be so hard. So what can we do to make it easy? What can we do to make it simple so that we can be consistent? Okay, and then recognize when you're in the maintenance phase and things have gotten easy. It's just part of your routine. Okay, the other thing I want you to be aware of is what are your triggers? The triggers were helpful in creating that consistent action, but the triggers are also going to be really helpful, right? That you want to be able to identify what those are in case you go through the recycling phase, otherwise known as relapse. And what I want you to think about when it comes to that recycling phase is you are not starting from square one. 
if you wind up, quote, falling off the wagon, I want you to adopt a growth mindset instead. I want you to think in terms of I'm experimenting. So I might have tried this one way and it didn't work. Now I want to try something else. Or let's say you've gone for a period of time where you fell off the wagon and you feel like you're starting over. What if you thought about, no, instead I have a clean slate and I get to apply everything that I've learned along the way. So this next time, it's going to be even smoother. All right. So again, what you want to talk about, the questions that you want to ask yourself or someone else are different depending on which stage you're at. So in pre-contemplation, the focus is on education. In contemplation, the focus is on pros and cons. And I'm not just talking about, by the way, the pros and cons. So for example, if someone's talking about smoking or eating healthier, we always think, well, here are the pros of eating healthier. But what are the cons of eating healthier? And what are the pros of not eating healthier, of of continuing to eat the way you're currently eating? And what are the cons of continuing to do that? So we want to explore, explore the pros and cons of both staying the course as well as the pros and cons of change. And then if you want to get to that preparation stage, we want to create the biggest gap that we can between the cons of staying where we are and the pros of making a change. Okay? That we, we want to really create a, a big gap through that. And then in the preparation stage, we want to really understand what's important to us. So knowing what your values are, what your intentions are, what your priorities are, will help you put together a plan that works really well for you. In the action phase, again, I want to focus on keeping it simple, keeping it easy, having a plan B. So make it specific, right? In the maintenance phase, you've got that habit going. It's really important to understand what your triggers are so that when it comes to actually creating that habit, again, you're being as intentional as you can early on so that it can become automatic. It also means that by understanding your triggers, if you do fall off the wagon, you're able to sort of hit the reset button easily. Okay? So in the book, Changing for Good, they identified a seventh stage. They called it the termination stage. And this is literally when you are no longer needing to go through that cycle of change. It's a done deal. And the most compelling example I can think of, of this termination stage comes from my days when I owned Pacific Heights Health Club. So I had a few members who approached me about wanting to quit smoking. And I referred them to 
a hypnotherapist. Now, I would share her name, except she's no longer doing that work, so I don't want to send you down that path. I would recommend, uh, if you are looking for that, you might try Rita Black. Um, and I will provide a link to her website if you're interested. Now, what happened with the hypnotherapist I recommended, Kiki, my folks scheduled two sessions, but it turns out they only needed one session, after which they no longer thought of themselves as someone trying to quit smoking or even that they were former smokers. Instead, they actually referred to themselves as non-smokers. So they literally identified as non-smokers, which is why I love the work that I do where we're about creating identity-based habits. Because what I want for you is to actually get to that seventh stage. All right. So that's it for today. Again, if you have any advice for me on crate training, I would love to hear from you. <laughs> and if you find yourself stuck or struggling with any one of these stages, I would love to help. All you need to do is go to my website, click on work with me and schedule a free mini coaching session with me. Okay. That first mini session is on me, my gift to you. All right. So I'm going to wrap things up today with a quote by Alexandra Trenfor. And she says, the best teachers are those who show you where to look, but don't tell you what to see. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E hyphen C-L-U-B dot com. And sign up for my free mini course, How to Lose Weight for the Last Time. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens. Oh,